All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, y'all. It's your Queen Ilnana. It's your King BG. It's your King Mary. Oh, man. We got a show for y'all today. Yes, we do. Got Very show. packed show. Got a special guest. Yes. Yeah. Make sure you listen all the way through, man. He's going to drop some knowledge. I'm excited to speak with him. Yep, yep. Really excited, man. Been Grew up with this with this guy, man. So, I would I would think so. Yeah. Some people call him my dad. You know? I mean, you know, now on my daughter, I call name. him KG. KG? That's KG. what's up. Yeah. KG, so, man. So we're going to speak to Tell him what KG does, man. Man, KG is, man, this dude is all world, man. Pops growing up, integrated. Him and his sister integrated, Um, um, you know, 1968, the first to integrate an all-white school in Fair Forest in Spartanburg, wow. South Carolina. You know, Pops um, started the Harriet Tubman Freedom House Project. We did a lot of stuff under the Freedom mm-hmm. House Project, too, in Columbia. Um, you know, we did the No Lottery campaign back in the day. We did the same-sex marriage campaign, pro-same-sex marriage. Mm. Um, it's been a lot of stuff we did. Um, eight-term president of South Carolina, ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, mm. just in case everybody don't know, because he's going to correct me on that. Somebody is very proud. I yeah, like that. Man, you're a good dude, That's, man. Right he's book. done a lot. I gave Mary a copy of the book. Yep, yep, I'm gonna read I got to get you the other one with Lightning Strikes Yeah. Um, when I get copies of those. but uh, show well, Where's my everywhere. copy? I gave you a copy of Killing Trayvon. Oh, you did? Okay. I thought it was another one that you... I did. Killing Trayvon's. I gave you that one. So, yeah, bring them on. There's a lot going on right now. So, um, just bring them on. Let's kick some knowledge. Definitely need this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, No, we we, we definitely need to read up on a lot of things that we are not I know. I've been feeling that way the last couple of days. Like, I'm not a political person, so I don't really follow politics. But, you know, there's a difference between politics... And social issues. And social issues, right? Politics, they put all the fluff in it. Social issues, this is what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the three of us have a strong voice to where if if we get involved in something, we could definitely steer people in the right direction. And it starts with us. It starts with us. And I would say, being in the room with you, I would follow either one of you guys. And girl. Woman. Guy and girl. And woman. Yeah. Woman. Guy. What's the commercial? Lady and gentleman. (laughs) (laughs) Lady and gentleman. But I will definitely, I would follow you guys. And I think we got to. You a little mushy tonight, huh? Yeah, man. You you know, I love y'all, man. I haven't seen y'all in a while. You've been going back and forth to South Carolina and shit. Yeah, man. You know, I got Junior with me too. He upstairs. On your big TV, he probably he ain't got no big TV at my house to play no game. So he better enjoy this shit while he's here. <laughs> he can stay over. Yeah, he I might bring some hoes over. Yeah. Hey, oh my god! First of all, you, if you if you have to feed that man, you gonna want me to come back and pick him up. Oh, nah, you know, he don't look like he weigh that much. Man, that dude can eat, man. And he must shit a lot. Oh, um, he must he, be like his daddy. He did twice today after we ate. So Why are you this telling his business? And he had Chipotle this afternoon. Oh That's what my men god. Do. Yeah. It's a you bit much. Today? I'm not going to tell you. I know you shit at 7.45. <laughs> what time she said? 8 o'clock? 7.35, or something? 8.30. Was it 8.38? 8.30. I'm yeah. not telling y'all. Yeah. Y'all are disgusting. Yeah. We're about to have a very nice conversation. Yeah, we are. So we are. Let's we set are the mood have... and the tone. Okay. All right. We'll Let's see. get into it, man. Let's call it Pops. All right. Here we go. I might have to shit say that my mama number. You don't live there. How y'all want to lead in? You do it. That's why we said you should have watched the video first. Well, the video ain't going Hello? Be. Hey, man. Hey, did y'all, could y'all open it? Uh, no, we can't watch the video, oh, man. man. It won't, it's in restricted mode, so I couldn't, it wouldn't let me watch it, so I probably have to change. I said you didn't have a laptop? You didn't have a laptop? Yep, we got one right here. 
Whose page can we go to? I don't know why y'all y'all could have looked at the laptop, went to my Facebook page or Camille's Facebook page, we, and that video it's on YouTube. Everybody not friends with Camille. Hey, hey. Uh, what's Camille's what? name? I don't You're know. Not friends it's Camille. With Camille. Yeah, it won't. No, I can't. I can't see it at all because it, my thing is in restricted mode. I don't know what is it, Camille. Um, Camille Gray. But you can you can go to my website. Yeah. I mean, the, the, excuse me. The reason I think it's interesting in that with the with the um, folk are trying to figure out um, ways in a substantive way how to attack the issue. Instead of it just being "I can't breathe" and "Black Lives Matter," when you and then we can we I mean we can start having a conversation. Yeah, we can start having a conversation. We can do it. Yeah, but, but we but today the conversation has shifted to Confederate symbols, and of course with the NFL and with the uh, NASCAR banning Confederate flags at the events, which is tantamount to. Maybe we won't even be here tomorrow because the asteroid's about to hit the planet. But we and, and so it's and, true. You know, let's uh, we so, can go ahead and so, get started, so, man. So we can okay, so we can so, capture so, all so of the this. Only, the only thing I was trying to get y'all to look at is, which on some of this for me as a senior brother, is the idea that folks think that just just started happening. Like the young girl said to me at State House about in regards to police violence, and I think she's probably in her twenties. We've been going through this for the last five years, <laughs> you know. I'm like, I'm like, really, young sister. And um, and while trying to support young folk doing what it is that young folk do, they have a lot of energy. Um, how to get them to focus from? Well, well, let's go ahead and get started. You ready? We'll do it like All right, yeah, we'll yeah. go ahead and start like that. And so. how long are we talking, young brothers and sisters? Okay, well, you know, okay, so just so you'll know who's. Um, on the podcast with me, I got Mir- Mary. You can introduce yourself, Mary. Wait, let me let me hold on. Let me let me. Are we have we started yet? No, we haven't started yet. But I'm gonna introduce right, you, so and then we're gonna start. Let me adjust my seat. Let me adjust my seat and put my glasses on. Right. And get my notebook out so I can write down the questions y'all ask. And okay. Put my stuff in front of me so I can give y'all some answers and have okay. a discussion. So I, you know, I. We're going to dialogue. We're going to do it. Well, this, gonna this is my first time having a guest, a guest in my family on the show. I'm going to throw it at y'all. Okay. Um, we ready. And um, and, and I'm going to try not to. As I'm writing a piece, Brian, for the Nation magazine, and my editor asked me not to piss on the picnic. Okay. And I'm going to try not to piss on y'all's picnic. Okay. Don't but piss on the But we're going to inform some folks that aren't, that aren't informed. Well, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Because not everybody informed. I, yeah, okay. Cause I, right. But I can be, you know, now. All right. I ain't gonna, I'm, I'm, it's not, I'm, I'm going to talk to y'all the same way I talk to everybody else, which okay. means I'm pretty much, uh, as it, for me, which is why I'm the last one they want to talk to, it's pretty much unfiltered. But it's informative. Well, our podcast. That's what we appreciate. Our podcast is yeah, unfiltered. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're gonna dialogue. And, All right. And uh, but but um, as I said, which is why I talked about the film. Um, the fact that a lot of people think that all young people, all young people think they're immortal and are gonna live forever. 
And then, uh, and y'all, you know, y'all ain't young no more. Y'all approaching middle age. We consider that the average age of black men is 67 <laughs> when black men yeah. are 65. Yeah. Well, y'all ass is ass middle age. Yeah. You know, yeah. unless you live to be 100, yeah. unless you live to be 100, then 50 will be middle age. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, so, um, so let's go with it. All right. Let's All right. go. So we got Miri. Hey, what's going on, Mr. Gray? And then yep. we got Nana. Hey, Mr. Gray. All right. So hey. we're going to jump right in. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, all right. Today we, I'm I get to welcome my guest to the show. We always have the bandos on the show all the time. So <laughs> oh, we've had a few of your family members. Oh, just Camille, I guess. Uh, Doctor right. Mo. Okay. Oh yeah, and Doctor Mo. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> but this time we get to have my father, my pops, Kevin Alexander Gray, on the show. Yes. Um, my dad, man. I can I can say a whole lot about my dad, man. You know starting from our own current project that we're working on, the Harriet Tubman Freedom Project. But, you know, my dad was also uh, past eight-term president of the South Carolina affiliate of the ACLU, a four-year member of the South Carolina ACLU, um, South uh, the South Carolina coordinator for um, 1988 the presidential American campaign. Oh, American Civil yeah. Liberties Union. Let me correct myself. Um, okay. The 92... Well, you know, a lot of folks don't know what the ACLU is, and they don't know what it does. And the mission of the ACLU was our client is the Constitution. Okay. Okay. The I only thing that. that every American, that's the only thing that we all hold in common. We don't have the same uh, churches and religion. We don't go to the same colleges, might not live in the same neighborhoods, might be different races and genders. But one thing that we all have in common is the Constitution and the U.S. Postal Service. When you think about it, those are the only things that you're going to get a letter from the postman, which is why it's important to support the U.S. Post Office in the fight, in the face of all this privatization that that they face every day. The Postal Service is probably the largest employer of blacks in the federal government, and most folks are not recognizing that. And, uh, and, And so... Yeah. But the ACLU represents the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and that's all. That's the law of the land. Um, it supports the rights of us all. Um, and then just in talking about rights and in this moment that we're in and teaching people some basic kinds of concepts as they move forward with building a movement and understanding some basic things, a right is the limitation of the government on the individual. Okay. A right is in hear that a right is the limitation of government on the individual. Okay. Yeah. okay. That's what's up. Right. So, you know, I could keep going on and on with, you know, you working for Reverend Jackson back in the campaigns for 80 and, and what, 80, was it 84 and 88? It was 84 and 88. 84 and 88. We have this conversation. And even as we, you mentioned that, see, I guess at this point, when you mention what I've done, and, and the reason I've done it and connecting the dots from the past to the present. And I am getting old and I do get kind of crabby. But, um, you know, there was Obama. And everybody, well, there's Obama, man. How did he do that? And, and he just, like, he came down from being like, no, people built to that. From Jesse, from really from, in a realistic way. I mean, you can mention uh, Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory ran for president once. And you can mention the folk who ran under the socialist ticket. But really, um, as far as an impact in electoral politics and the Democratic Party, 
you start with Shirley, Shirley Chisholm, you go to Jesse Jackson, then you go to Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. But as it relates to structure and 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 uh, shaping the modern Democratic Party and its leadership, that would be the '84 and '88 Jackson campaigns, or really the '88 Jackson campaign. And I, I didn't say that because of my participation in it. But um, you know, it, it even if you go, well, a lot of folks are not at those polls and not the Democratic Party officials that that I grew up with. But as far as Black folk having their place in the Democratic Party. Well, when we ran the campaign in 88 and won in South Carolina, which was um, the first time that Jesse had won a state, it led him to win states all across the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and um, through Super Tuesday, and most folks think that, well, you know, Jesse couldn't have won, but if he had won Wisconsin the way the electoral politics go, he might want, would have won that, the nomination. Doesn't say he would have been president, but it says, that he could have won, and to do that, we had to build an infrastructure and and demand something known as proportional representation, which means that you get delegates in proportion to the number of your votes um, to the convention, and and um, used to be winner take all. Yeah. And so, if you lost, you lost, and you went home, and you had no say in the building of the party or the building of the platform. And, and, and a lot of white candidates use that to block folk out. They you took your vote, but um, but you really didn't have any power because once you go to the convention, that's where you make the rules. So just yeah. so I don't get into the weeds with it. Yeah. So who, who the did you— The process of movement building, that's how it works. Okay. Who are you voting for this year? <sighs> don't get silent, man. Come on, man. Let us know. Tell us. No, no, no. You know what? I, um, I, I am going to vote against Trump ordinarily— I mean, on the local level, I'll pretty much vote Democratic or I'll write somebody in because given the current, I mean, given the current black elected officials on the local level and what they do and don't do, I'm voting based on what you're doing or not doing. And okay. and, um, and I'll give you a chance. But uh, generally, because South Carolina has traditionally voted red Republican uh, for years, then for me, I might vote Democratic. I might vote third party. I think that maybe, in all honesty, um, I voted for Ralph Nader. I voted for who ran a third party. Um, a lot of folks blame Ralph Nader with Al Gore losing, but that's not necessarily so. I voted for Cynthia McKinney, who was a representative out of Georgia, Green mm-hmm. Party candidate. Um, I voted for Jill Stein, who um, Green Party candidate. But I've also voted for Jimmy Carter. Um, Jimmy Carter might have been the last national Democratic candidate I voted for. I've never voted for Joe Biden. I voted against Joe Biden four times. Um, and so what about had, what about this year? You I'm think you'll vote, vote for Joe? I, okay. I'm voting Democratic this year, and I'll probably vote for Joe if he chooses. Well, I'm going to vote for Joe. Because I'm both, I'm really not voting for Joe Biden. I'm voting against, against Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. That's, That's right. Yeah. So and I'm vote and I'm voting for the Democratic candidate for Senate here in South Carolina, Jamie Harrison, who's running against Lindsey Graham. Because I think it would be interesting for there to be two black senators from South Carolina, one Republican and one Democrat. One who is Republican who said he got his inspiration to run for office from Jesse Jackson's 88 
uh, presidential campaign, which I managed. That's Tim Scott. Um, and then who took over from an arch conservative, Jim DeMint, who followed in the, the tradition of Strom Thurmond. So for me to have to see Jamie, Jamie uh, Harrison, yeah, I think that it went from the state that was the first to succeed from the union, that was the soul of the Confederacy and the ideological home of white supremacy in this country. I think it would be interesting to have two black candidates, two black senators from that state. All right. So this is what we, we're going to jump in right now, too, because we got we definitely want to hear and we want to talk to you. We have questions that we want to ask you about the um, the issues that we got going on right now in the midst of a health crisis, an economic crisis, a social crisis. And we've always had systematic racism. But right now, because of the George Floyd um, death in Minneapolis, we're starting to see a a, a, a huge surge of um, um, turmoil. Well, I won't say turmoil, but a bunch of different things going on right now with that death that's causing some things to kind of bubble up to the surface. Let's a call it more. energy. So the energy, okay, yeah. Energy. Well, I think Nana has some. Well, no, you said George George Floyd, but I think it, it's it's been a long time coming. George Floyd's death was just, I hate to put this this way, the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, you have Ahmad Arbery, you have Breonna Taylor, you have just a myriad of people that we've experienced this. We've we've been here before. We've been here dozens of times, but I think the fight doesn't continue. Thousands. Yep. Hundreds and thousands of times. The fight doesn't continue. We give up. So, you know, with you having such a long, impressive history of of just standing in the gap for social, you know, against social injustice, how do you feel about what's going on right now? I know it's just it's it's an oxymoron. I'm I'm writing a lot of stuff right now. I'm Mm -hmm. writing um, on a relatively basically the same theme. I'm writing for a Turkish magazine. I'm writing, um, I'm writing for a Turkish magazine about race relations in America. Mm-hmm. And, and with, with the Turkish president, Erdogan, being a, total, a totalitarian himself, but uh, um, Australia, New Zealand, Iran, uh, Djibouti, um, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm getting probably more international calls than anything. I'm going to come up four magazine pieces. I'm trying to stay on the same theme. From um, one is from protest to mm-hmm. politics to change, mm-hmm. which which implies that after you come out the street, what are your politics and how do you make change? Absolutely. Um, what what are the mechanics of that? And uh, because even with Trayvon Martin, that last book Brian didn't mention the last book I edited it with Killing Trayvon, the mythology of American violence, which we talked about police violence for years and with a variety of writers, and um, you know that that. You know, the killing of Trayvon is linked to the killing of Emmett Till, is linked to lynching, but the issue at hand was the stand your ground laws. And mm-hmm. the stand your ground laws, which meant that you didn't have a duty to retreat, which meant uh, if the situation diffused, you could retreat, you didn't have to kill. Um, or the Catholic doctrine, you could defend your home, but if someone was leaving your home, you didn't have to kill them. Um, but in, but after Trayvon's death, um, you know you, uh, the stand your ground laws didn't change. In fact, the gun lobby expanded the gun rights from stand your ground to concealed carry to open carry. Now 
under all these various iterations of that of the gun laws that's called changing around the country, for the most part, white men in particular are, are more able to enforce those gun, newly established gun rights than black people. Mm-hmm. A black person would have a hard time arguing that he killed somebody over standing ground. Uh, 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 it would be harder for him to get a concealed carry permit and harder to get an open carry permit. And so, but so there's been, even with the death of Trayvon Martin, who was killed by stand your ground laws, which basically gave the right of a citizen, usually white, to act as an agent of the law. Always white. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but, but still in all, that, it, you know, you still have to, that's true. And we're not going to, we can talk about racism. And, and white privilege, but you still have to build that coalition and find common ground with the people that are on your side. And um, so I, I, you know, it is black and white. It is about genocide and 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 uh, kidnapping and the foundation of the country and white privilege and skin privilege and what racism means and what bigotry means. And, so and, what? Uh, well, so what do you think is the common ground? Means. Well, well, some of it's really simple. So I'm gonna get really real, so your language y'all understand. Look, I'll I'll talk to some of my friends. I know they both they on the red team. I might be on blue team or the team in between. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, come on, dude, y'all don't come from this stuff. You know, come on, man. You know, or like, you know, come on. You know, what if? Look at that man. That's with George Floyd in particular. Hey, what can you tell me that's right about how they killed him with somebody with their with their um, knee on somebody's neck? And I was talking to a friend of mine. And we and we we still spoke. He both he both red team, but he's one. He's a person I like, and and uh, and we might joke about playing the race card. And uh, his wife is probably liberal Democrat, and I throw it on him. I don't leave it out. And I would they say, "Come on, dude! I, come on, dude! You can't believe that." But then again, I get a lot of calls from people that I don't necessarily agree with because they want to hear. You know, they ain't gonna just walk up to Joe Smo, Black Smo, on the street and say what you think. They'll come to me. But um, you know, it's like, dude, that that was wrong, and um, and I there have been some cases where you know it's it, it's about police power, it's not about race, it's about police power and how to regulate those police. And as the saying goes, if they come in for me in the morning, and, and um, they'll come for you at night, and it's not about power and race privilege, it's about power and the one percent of the people that get all of us working-class people of all races and creeds to fight against one another. Meanwhile, they go and they run away with the gold. So you can't vilify everybody. And you got to, you know, it's, you do have to listen to your enemy. You always listen to your Absolutely. enemy. And um, so, you know, I have different kinds of conversations with people. But, you know, it's, I've, and, I've, and, and, and on some of the cases in, in which the police have killed white kids, I think the, the most recent case that I I dealt with was probably about maybe five years ago when, of course, the kid, police killed a kid in Greenville uh, about drugs, marijuana. And, uh, and it's a little white uh, kid. Like, little white kid. And I'm like, hey, uh, is this how y'all want it? That the police can come in the house with no knock searches and can kill your kid? And all they say is that kid holds a threat or that kid had drugs. And once you mention drugs, then all then everybody stops listening to any argument you had that you got to say about your kid being 
a victim of violence. I mean, with, you know, it's, it's, um, look, when you, when you fight, you fight. But, um, and if, if folks think there's going to be a race war in America that, that, uh, anyone can win on either side, I've, you know, I've come to the conclusion that that ain't the fight that you really want to fight. It's, it's not about equal injustice for all. It's about equal justice for all. That ain't to say that you listen to a whole bunch of folks disrespect you. But that's to say you have to figure out a way for the people that you can bring in as allies. You got to bring them in because just in basic power politics at this point, until people of color are the majority. And then even when they become the majority, they have to go back and rechange the restructure the laws that take that, that that take away white supremacy out of those laws. But don't you also think? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. And I was going to say, aside from the race, it's also a mindset, right? It's the way that we've been programmed to think, a majority of us, because we've been we've been taught that we are not the superior race. And like you said, it's not about superiority or white supremacy or about being, you know, who's going to be the bigger race. But it's about the mindset of how we've been brought up. So say there was a race war. What would be the strategy to win if it's possible? Well, I'm not. Well, well, first of all, all right, but let me let me go back to another thing because I think I heard that I'm writing that down. What would be the strategy? And you know what? If I get on this podcast and talk about a strategy for race war, you know what? Y'all become famous really instantly and so really interesting. But we're gonna get to that. But I'll, I'll answer. I'll talk about that because my son knows I'm an ex-soldier, and my family's just, my you know my brothers and dad were soldiers, and and, and uh, what happened to him? How come he ain't no soldier? Who me? Yeah. Who? Right? Oh, he went. He went. He went. He went. He went. He is okay. a soldier. He is a soldier. He's just not a soldier, soldier for white supremacy. Okay. I mean, you know, I I did a radio show the other day, and I said, you know, I was a soldier in the arm in the United States military, as well as all my brothers and my dad. And basically, we were racist because we supported and were willing to die for a white supremacist, imperialistic, colonial system. So black people can't be and in racist. In some cases, we fought for it. So you, so we had this discussion too, a debate, um, a couple, maybe a what couple months a ago. Can black people, why black people can't be racist? Well, well, let me go back, but let me go, let me, let me, uh, um, as they say, let me square this other, other hole that I left, or, or fill this other hole I left to, on the white guy, the, the one, when, uh, the, the one who we, that we don't share the same opinions on everything. I left it where, you know, dude, in the end, with George Floyd and Corona in 2020, what our kids will remember in 2020, or our grandkids, or, uh, or our, you know, our, your kids are going to remember Corona, riots, and a man with a foot on another man's neck. That's going to be the most indelible, the most, the most indelible things of their lives, and that image of a lynching, just like, you know, it ain't like looking at those pictures, like Popovich said, of lynching in the past. They witnessed a man being lynched and the breath coming out of his body and all the things that go with that to, to, to what came out of his mouth and was on the ground and they choked him out or killed him. That is an image that they would take with them and have with them when they watched it. And everything that went around it was the rest of their lives. Yeah, 2020 was a little 
What's the difference? Well, it, it, it ain't, it ain't well, about half over, over right? It's not even over with. <laughs> it's half over, not, right? Not, not, so only, just, not only that, you can't you throw in a recession on top right. of... A looming recession. A looming and, recession. And I, and I told that guy, I said, and you could be black or white, and that's going to bother you. Mm. And for white people in this country, as I've been quoting Jackie Jackson, Ryan, Reverend Jackson, my wife, for that is all in that moment and everything that's happened since, although folks know what America's about, that laid America naked to the world. Yeah. 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 And that's how people see this country. And if you think about it, the leadership and who Trump is, Lack and even in the black community, the image, and I'll put it out there, the image of, who, I'm going to throw it to y'all, who do you think the image of our international black leadership is right now at this time? That the world city. Hmm. Is there one? I'm just asking you what's being projected. Um, I'm not asking. Well, I, what's, I what's being projected of black leadership that they're leading people, they're leading our people into protest to looting and burning down if, buildings. If, if we, if, well, that's a whole that's another part of this discussion. But if you talk about the projection of the American image of leadership, yeah, it, at one point in time it was Muhammad Ali. So like a Kaepernick, Barack Obama. It was Jesse Jackson. It was Martin Luther King. It was Malcolm X. It was Carmichael. It was Ashley Davis. Fred uh, Hampton. What, yeah. Fred Hampton. Uh, Dick Gregory. Richard Pryor. Uh, what is the projected image of, of black leadership in the world right now? Well, I think Mira just said everybody sees the image of Colin Kaepernick and Neil and now. And you know, you know, you know, like you know what? That King. is right. You know, that, that, I, you know what? You didn't answer, you didn't give me the answer that I wanted, but that's the answer I accepted. What answer were you looking for us to say? Oh no, oh no, I don't want to step you, on that. You don't want to give us the answer? Okay, we're gonna roll with mirrors. I don't, you know what I think is important? It's important because because obviously y'all are, like me, y'all ain't getting the message and I'm I like that. I like that. I like the answer. Okay. All right. Okay. That was a good answer. Call it Kaepernick. Okay. We can roll with that because mm-hmm. Cap is all yeah, in yeah. the news, man. That's a, the whole movement now is rallied around Colin Kaepernick. Now. 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 And he now. started this five years ago. Yeah, yeah. but but right. the thing is, what is he doing now? Like, is he like he's on been, the ground? He's been doing things silently, but you know, he was yeah, black. We don't need silent now. Well, y'all, y'all, want, y'all are looking for that messianic charismatic single leader that will lead y'all into the promised land. I don't that think... That can, but that's like what people Dr. are looking King for. And, Mar- and Malcolm that can stand up in front of a mic and just blow elo- eloquently and have all the answers. That's what y'all are looking for. That, Which is what people try to put on us. Yeah. I don't think I'm looking for those answers, though. I'm not looking I'm for not, the, I'm not looking you're for not, the person. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm not looking for the person to get up and, and talk and speech. Me personally, excuse my language, but burn this bitch down. I'm like, we we should be tired of following a man around. We do that in church every Sunday. Well, most of us do anyway. Follow that man. I think that's what. That's yeah. You're right. That's a problem. We are. We too busy following people. Let me let me go back to the burn the thing down, people. I mean, so (laughs) no, 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 no. But that's important because you know, me and your sister, Wendy, we're out there, and you know, I, I, hey. but in my lifetime, I, 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 which I certainly wouldn't say on the radio, you know, I've known people, and I wouldn't name names, but hey, things <laughs> yeah, are burnt down. It's not that type of podcast. <laughs> things are burnt down. But now, what are you going to burn? That would be the question. What are you going to burn? 
I'm gonna first. I'm gonna burn the banks. I'm gonna burn. Are you ready where, to go where, to jail and get killed for that? Are you you <laughs> actually ready to die? For not that? me personally. I'm just saying, like, well, what the hell you advocating? <laughs> you advocating something? That's right. What? No. I would burn the, the building down, but not me personally. Yeah. Oh, not, oh, oh, yeah, that's not that. right. I'm gonna say his soldiers. Yeah, I got kids. Yeah, but I'm saying like that's why I don't knock you. Ain't no, kids. And you a general that ain't gonna lead your troops? Or nah, I'm gonna lead. Oh, I'm gonna oh, lead them no. another way. I'm gonna lead them by like boycotting the silent people. Those that ain't speaking up, I'm burning down those type of places like the Walmarts, like those type of places that aren't speaking up for black lives need to be burnt down. They need to be hurt in the pocket more than what's going well, on. Well, so, so, so if they say we support Black Lives Matter. Now, not, not just say it. No, no, no. I'm just following up on what you said. So if they say we support Black Lives Matter, like a lot of them do. I did a radio show this morning and the woman said, man. The woman asked me, what do you think about the image of Jamie Dimon kneeling in front of a bag ball? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what, 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 what do you think about all those folk in Kente kneeling? Right. No, no. You yeah, have to, you know, you have to what, show what, me. Show me. Don't don't just say it. Uh, the proof but, is in the pudding. Which, which, which gets back to the, the, the theme of which I said of these couple of pieces, from protest to politics to change. Yep. And who's at the table for the politics when everybody go home after the protest because everybody ain't gonna stay out there for long. Nope. Uh, you know, especially especially if the uh, if the uh, corona the corona uh, lockdown is lifted, people go back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, folk folk out there now for a lot of different reasons. No question, they're pissed off about what happened to George Floyd. Although mm-hmm. they failed to mention, to mention uh, Breonna Taylor and and and, um, and when you think about. Um, uh, uh, Ahmad Aubrey, mm-hmm. for me, that is just as insidious. It takes me back to the right. death of, of, uh, of, of, for me, it was, it was Jesse Taylor. And when I got, when I came to Columbia, we were marching Sam about. Sam Owens. Uh, 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 Sam, well, that's Sam Owens. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm getting old. If you hadn't thrown in that Sam Owens, we marched from Chester to Columbia. Mickey McClinton out of Chester, South Carolina. That was when I got started working with SCLC. Uh, Dr. King's organization and Reverend Abernathy, Ralph Abernathy's last big march was in South Carolina, where a group of white men chained a black man to, uh, to the back of a pickup truck who they thought was dating a white woman, mm-hmm. shot him, set him on fire, and drug him down the road. That was before Jesse Byrne. Yeah. And when you go back and look at the uh, the Aubrey case, those white men basically chased him down they in the did. truck. He going from ditch to ditch. And they shoot him and call him nigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, right. the police, so, and the police mishandled right. the whole situation. Had we not well, seen the was, tape, well, right, right. So I don't think the so tape. Back to my point. Back to my point. Unless, unless you're gonna pick up the gun. There was a book by a fellow by the name when I was coming up. There's a fellow by the name of Earl Anthony, who was one of the founding members of the NWA of the uh, Black Panthers with uh, Huey and Huey Newton and and uh, and, and Bobby Steele and. Uh, 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 Eldridge Cleaver and a lot of them, and he wrote, he was the, the minister of defense, and he wrote the book Picking Up the Gun. Now, I, I'm not inciting you to pick up a gun and, and wage wage uh, revolution, but I'm saying, unless you're going to do that, and which you're going you're, you're going to go out in a blaze of glory, and everybody going to you know maybe 20 or 30 years from now they might write about you as a revolutionary. Or they might write, write about you as a madman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So but, when the when but, the marching uh, when the protests go away and like you said when the when the the country opens back up or whenever this official open is gonna be and people go back to work and everything else like what's next? I mean George has been buried. Well, there's something that has so. to be done. There's a lot of white guilt money. And I put it like that. That's out there. Give and us then, some examples um, of some white guilt money for those that don't. Well, know. you know all the foundations I know. Well, all the foundations that are giving money for. for um, to Black Lives Matters or to local organizations or um, or to uh, political candidates. Um, there's money out there. That, um, now, to get the money um, and not, uh, you, you have to go through what it is that you have to go through to get the money. You have to do the 501c3, c4. I mean, you just, they just not going to hand you a check or, or right, open up right, a bank right. account for you and put no money in it. You got to have some effort. Let me let me stay focused on our, on the point. You have to create something that can interact, that can legally interact with what it is that that they're trying to produce guilt wise. Now that's one thing. As it relates to what kind of change you want, you got to do what you're doing now with the podcast, and you got to be you got to do something different than just talk about the the the. the, the, the Thank you, sir. The cliches the slogans for Black Lives Matter. Uh, what to uh, who? No justice, no peace. Out. You got to you got to put some meat on the bone. You got to do you got to do some voter education, civic education, public education. You got to you got to start teaching people and organizing people. Yeah, and it has and to be consistent. Not just organizing them to vote for somebody. Yeah. Consistency. We lack consistency. So there's protesting. You mentioned this, and then after a while, it's trending, and then it's done. You stand out there, you scream, you burn, and then what else? There's nothing. People don't it, vote. It, it, it's con- it's consistency, and um, there's another word. Um, we have a consist. We should have a consistent message, movement message. Yep. And it's got to it's got to be coherent, and it's got to be uh, uh, it's got to be in the arc of history. A movement that is, you know, used. I do this every day, and there's a, and and sometimes I'll lose the word, but it has to have a coherency. And an overarching meaning to it that connects to the past. And Strategic. The future. It's like, like Dr. King said, the arc of the arc of, of justice is long. The arc of human. What is it? The arc. The arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. So, right now, um, we got the attention. Right now, I mean, well, the, well, but the, you got to create something, and you got and and in, in that moment, that would take you through the process mm-hmm. of of, uh, of uh, teaching. And getting other people to the next phase. Yeah. Now, I mean, that might be the only thing that keeps me from from just being a grumpy old man when I'm listening to a lot of stuff. It's like you know, and and folk who are just learning. Uh, oh, I found the word I'm thinking about. Your movement has to have continuity. Mm. Continuity. Mm-hmm. That's the word. So let me it's ask you consistency and continuity. continuity. Okay. Let me ask you a quick question. What happened between the times when you were out when you were younger and y'all was marching? Till now, why did that fall off? Like, well, because 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 you're sitting next to one reason, right? Who are you talking oh, okay, about? You talking about Nana? <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's reality. Uh, you, know, you, yeah. you, you you do have a life and you do work, and you know it ain't like you out now. I've been lucky because I came in working with. I came in, you know, me and my sister were the first to desegregate the elementary school, so oh, wow. we, you know, we were always the first to do. Um, to be involved in in, in, in in that kind of change, be it desegregation or integration. And then um, 
marches with uh, with with uh, Reverend Albert Nathy and meeting Jesse and and um, writing and you know I you know I've pretty much always been a free spirited kind of guy where I'm trying to find my own way. So and and reading and my mother, you know, just I just I, I don't know if it's luck, but um, I've just had a series of fortunate incidents in my life um, that kind of told me that you know this my role is to be a teacher and and uh, a public intellectual and a public teacher and do do grassroots and not really you know if you run for office uh, you know you're running for other people's aims you know if you get to being a writer. And the turn back in the day that I used to like with the public intellectual gave you a whole lot of space to do a whole lot of things and, and make mistakes, but you, you had the ability to learn and expand your mind. And ACLU helped and Rainbow helped, but, you know, but generally, you know, coming up during desegregation, coming up, um, sons of sharecroppers, and well, my granddaddy was a sharecropper, and my grandfather on my mother's side was a Pullman Porter. It, it's being connected to history. And those folks actually... Even with their fault, having the, the having the foresight to keep you within the continuity of our struggle from the beginning to the end. Uh, it's like that movie, what is it, uh, Amistad, where you know you are what came before you, and so forth and so forth. And it just seemed that there was a greater capacity to help people do that. And when I was coming up. Most people uh, were striving to be educators. You know, you you weren't striving to be a um, an entrepreneur. The most of the people who were the folk that we looked up to were teachers. Now everybody's uh, you know we've got you know want to make it rich, want to be full rich, want to be fake rich, want to be <laughs> Daisy, want to be you know we, it, it, uh, the values have changed. And we all live in, in communities where we all knew each other. You knew the teachers, you knew the funeral directors, you knew the preachers, the working class, you knew the people that worked in the field, you knew the people that worked in the mill, we were all together. And then desegregation, with desegregation, well, the white man's ice was colder. And and, and, that, and I think that had a, a big effect on what happened. I mean, living in a neighborhood mm-hmm. where you knew everybody in the neighborhood and where people, people died in the homes that they were born in, mm-hmm. And everybody went, Dad, well, that doesn't exist anymore. And that's the, that's the era we came up in. But still in all, we wanted more for our kids. But the more was a better education and a better understanding of the environment that you were in. So things were pretty and much better when we were segregated. Say again? So basically, I mean, things were a little bit better when we were segregated. We kept white well, folks on this side well, of the track, you, black folks on that side of the track. Well, well, there's desegregation and there's integration. Okay. Uh, you could choose to integrate. The the idea of desegregation was to force the government from creating a system to where some folks had a better had better facilities, had better teachers, had better opportunities based on um, the distri- the distribution of government funds. It's redlining, right? Say again. Well, redlining is a whole nother thing. Redlining is where. Hey, hey, look, I live in a neighborhood that's redlined. I don't know where y'all live, but redlining still exists now. Redlining is drawing a circle around an area where that's predominantly of a certain ethnic or racial group where rates are higher, insurance rates are higher, it's higher to get um, uh, a bank loan if you can't get a bank loan, 
um, the, uh, medical care. It's, it's hard to get medical care. It's hard to get uh, economic development loans. Redlining is, you know, you, you know, it's um, and, and we do a lot, of, a lot of stuff with redlining. But redli- redlining is all about denial of access to capital and credit. It's, it's a lot of different things. Now they use redlining and gentrification to lower the uh, the price or the value of a community so that they can move people out to another community so they can take over that community. And most of the, mostly that's going on down in, in most of the cities. Redlining is where, as a businessman owning a restaurant in downtown Columbia in a predominantly black neighborhood, and I was explaining this to somebody today, where they were stealing when I first started renovating the building, someone was coming by every night and breaking the tops off the parking meters and stealing the money out, taking it behind the building, my building, and going through the change. And every time I would call the insurance, uh, the, the police, to report, hey, come and get this parking meter top out of my garbage can, that was a police call. And this went on for about six months to a year. So every call that I made, was a call to the police department, and those calls to the police department determined my insurance rate. Mm. You digging it? Wow. wow. Folks don't think about that. And and it's just like... You're a liability, I guess. Like Indians running or Arabs running, and folks going off up in there, and they, you know, they call it folks just like that Palestinian guy who should be our ally up in Minneapolis called the police about it. The uh, uh, alleged twenty counterfeit twenty dollar bill, but you know here in Columbia, with the I won't name any stores by name, but Brian knows them in our neighborhood. You call the police, they take a report, and the insurance rate for everybody in that area go up because based on the number of calls that that store makes to the police department. Wow! Wow! Makes you pay higher insurance. Hello? Your phone go out? Oh, no. Hello? Is that his phone? No, it's still connected. Let me call him back. No, it's still connected. I don't know. That's his phone go out. Try to cut your dad off, man. <laughs> <laughs> Please enter the area code and phone number. The area code phone number. Is that your phone? No, my phone's still going strong. Man, the insurance company cut me off. <laughs> I was like, you, hey, man, you're talking too much. You know what happened, man? Big, big, big farmer in our area. Yeah, but yeah. Now, did I finish that point, though? Yeah, did y'all hear yeah, that point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we and, and so, so, but now back on the brother's point about revolution, and you thinking somebody's going to do something. Well, see, there's some basic stuff that people got to learn. So I don't know. I mean, so let's talk about evolution because I'm going to tell you, as an older guy, I mean, now no question, things could fall apart, and there could be something akin to a revolution. I can't see it in my lifetime, but you know, I guess you could say. In one respect, the Civil War was a revolution. There's a book by a brother by the name of Chinyan Achebe called Things Fall Apart. Mm-hmm. So things could fall apart. Yeah. Things could fall apart. Mm-hmm. But but I think that what y'all have to do, I mean, y'all are 
you know. Y'all are the, 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 the generation that teach uh, uh, you know, I'm the senior brother. Y'all in the middle. Y'all teaching young folks. Y'all teaching your own kids. But I think the thing is to teach them some basic concepts. Mm-hmm. Give and us five then, basic no concepts place. that we should be teaching our kids. Well, teaching what the real definition of racism is, that's one. Mm. Um, this idea of racism being, I don't like you because you're a certain color. And all these folks say, well, he's not racist. Um, well, racism is a system of power. Those And, and, and now, and don't confuse what I'm going to say with meaning that black folk have power over white folks and that and black there's such a thing as black racism outside of white supremacy there's no uh, i'm hoping i'm going to explain this clearly in atlanta when those five white black cops and that one white cop pulled those two students out the car Mm. and now you know in in movement in in the movement world they were the perfect victim a morehouse student and and a selma student you couldn't talk about their past drug history or anything else. Right. Five black cops and one white cop pulled a black kid, two black kids out of the car. And some folks will say, well, how can the black cops be racist? Well, racism is a structure and a system that, that of action. It's not predicated on your individual bigotry. It, it, you know, um, I, I uh, mentioned it in a in, a, in a, one of a couple of radio shows I've done, uh, and I guess I must, I was at, in high school, I graduated in 74, and I got this book that I stole from the high school library that I've had. I Did you say you day. stole it? Did you just say, <laughs> that's what man, he did you just say you stole oh, yeah. the book, man? I didn't oh, yeah. hear, I didn't I hear nothing. I opened my book up, it says Dorman High School. I didn't hear nothing. I think library. the statute of limitations have expired. Well, it's like over like like Jerry Seinfeld at the that the uh, the library police got they followed me around. But uh this the book is called Black Power, the Politics of Liberation in America. And it was written by Stokely Carmichael, who later became Kwame Torre. And then you look uh, Google Kwame Torre, he founded SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. If you go online you can find them very, very easy. And um I mean um in my in my growing up, he loomed very large, and he wrote, co-wrote that book with Charles Hamilton, and that book came out in 1967. And um, and I don't know why in that li- in the library I decided I said, man, I got to steal this book. <laughs> but, but, but but the book starts out what is racism, and he, by racism we mean the predication of the decisions and policies. Uh, on consideration of race for the purpose of subordinating a racial group and maintaining control over that group. Now, that means that anyone, black or white, operating under that system is a racist. So black people can't be racist? But they're being racist in support of white supremacy. Oh, okay. You got it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it? Yeah. They can be prejudiced. I mean, they can be bigoted because prejudice and and, and uh, has a whole different meaning. Right. I, I generally don't. You know, you can set that word aside because it it can be. Um, I mean, you can apply racial racial prejudice, but for the most part, people confuse individual bigotry with racism. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah. Racism is a system. Prejudice is individual. 
Okay, gotcha. I even said, well, as a soldier, as a soldier, um, in, in um, fighting in Vietnam against the Vietnamese, when I was coming up, we, we were opposed to the Vietnamese War because it was in support of French colonialism. And we lost that war. And that war was racist against the Vietnamese people as Asians. Mm-hmm. But black soldiers went over there and fought it. That's right. On behalf of the white government. And on, behalf of, on behalf of white colonialism. Yep. And come back to America and we still were smack dab in the middle of You were civil viewed rights as less rights. than. They needed you to fight. Right. But when you came back, you were less than. Yeah. Right, right. So it's institutional racism, going back to this book, institutional racism relies on the active and pervasive operation of anti-black attitudes and practices. Now, Brian will give you all a copy of the, of the uh, book I did on uh, on uh, Waiting for Lightning to Strike. I, I go into what what are black politics, what are anti-black politics, and um, and what is the what has been the foundation of black politics from abolitionism to today. I mean, and which it's just four, it's, it's, you know, four things. I mean, equal protection of treatment under the law, due process under the law, equal opportunity or access to publicly owned institutions and organizations under the law, and um, and economic development under the law. For every black organization that has been in existence since black people were kidnapped and brought to America. That's the other thing, but back on Popovich, you know, you when you get, when you start an argument or want to talk about black people and whether or not there's institutional racism, which is what everybody does, and I see Trump and them are doing that today. Big time. And the folk get mad at me for saying it, but when you can't even start out by say giving a speech and Obama has done it, you'll say America is the land of immigrants. No. <laughs> America is the land of people uh who were killed through mm-hmm. genocide, the Native Americans. Yep. And 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 the foundation of the modern capitalist capitalist system was built on the backs of people who were kidnapped yep. and brought here. Mm-hmm. And you know, our ancestors ancestors were fundamental. The work do it ain't fundamentally. They were kidnapped. Folk can't even say this country is founded on genocide and kidnapping and immigrants. Kidnapping. Yeah. You, you, when was the last time you ever heard anybody say America that the foundation? I mean, I write about you know forty percent to sixty percent of enslaved Africans came in through uh, uh, for, um, Sullivan's Island in South Carolina, which I, I argue that Sullivan's Island is our Ellis Island. Anywhere you go in America, somebody you, if you run to somebody black, you got a relative in South Carolina. <laughs> true. That's true. That's true. But, this is very true. Yeah, true. But, Definitely yeah, true. Yeah. So. And that and and so, but now that's how they got here. Which is why I want y'all to do look at that movie, but um, that film. But you know that's fundamental. I think even Greg Popovich understood that. He said, you know, we we can't even get ourselves to accept that. We keep lying about well, white supremacy and, and and structural racism doesn't want you to understand that the country is predicated on those three things. Well, more than that, but fundamentally, kidnapping, genocide, and immigrant, immigrant. Right. And and the first Constitution was predicated on protecting the rights of white men, rich yeah. white. 
male property owners. So you don't think the Constitution now, the, um, not the written one, since you said that was the first Constitution, that it still protects white and the white uh, white individuals, white yeah. men, white Has women. Has it changed? They yeah, changed that's change. Well, well, you said the of first course, constitution. the constitution has changed through through the years. I mean, you have to you have to say that the Emancipation Proclamation and the Thirteenth, Fourteenth, and Fifteenth Amendments tried to uh, try to try to uh, deal with the fact that the country where they said all men are created equal, but but yeah, uh, Africans were well, three fifth humans, and then of course you had no question that um, in custom and law through the redemption. They call them the redemption constitution of the South after Reconstruction. That white skin privilege and white supremacy was built into the law. When you know, no blacks had no rights that any white man was bound to respect existed for a long time. Slavery was law. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, so see, is a continuity of the fight to erode these things means that you have to go back to, to uh, uh, generationally and keep reminding folks that although you're seeing, they're seeing what they're seeing, like George Floyd being killed or Trayvon being killed, and we make and we make movement, fundamentally it's the result of the same thing. So you have to keep reteaching each generation the fundamentals, which is why I call the first book The Fundamentals of Black Politics, the fundamentals of our structure, of our struggle, and the fight in in America, mm-hmm. and and now and and unless you understand that, hey, you're gonna you'll go mad because you know in, in dealing with it, but um, but it, it does give you focus into what it is that you want to do, and in some cases, you have to uh, determine who your allies are and what kind of country. We want because it's not going to be all just what, what all what black people want. You still got to deal with the, the fact that it is a diverse country, and a lot of people are coming in, and 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 it is about equal rights for all citizens, the protection of those rights. But a debt is still owed to the people who or the whose ancestors created the foundation. For modern American, for modern capitalism around the world, and that, and you can't just rely on uh, a school to do it. No, and you can't rely, and you certainly can't rely on a church to do it. You have to have some organizations that do that, and organizations that help mobilize people to advance that in a political way. And what are some of those Beyond organizations? Well, that, now there you go. That, now there is the question. I mean, we're trying to reconstitute the rainbow here. Mm-hmm. Um, the NAACP is more of a, a it's more of a civic organization and a justice organization that that deals with both and voting rights and lobbying for rights. But and, and as I said, people have accused me of, of peeing on people's parades uh, or picnics. But you know, with Obama, eight years of Obama, every black organization was weakened. Mm. NAACP, uh, Urban League, everybody kind of, uh, kind of uh, stood down because they didn't want to go after the black president, and they didn't want the black president to be embarrassed, and they, you know, they kind of felt what he was up against. Now, I argue, well, you know, you can't, you can't, um, you can't um, pacify a racist or that 
doesn't think that you're human and you you know you want these Republicans who you know they're, they're questioning whether or not you were born in the country their whole I, their, their whole ideology is based on as I mentioned earlier the ideology of white supremacy that that um, that um, this is a white man's country and um, everybody else is just a free rider right. you know they, that, that the labor of, of, of the people that built this country in the blood of the people that died uh, in this country is meaningless to, to white supremacy that manifest destiny and settlerism it, it overshadows our humanity and American exceptionalism the great experiment and um, so you know for me Obama placating them that, that was a waste of time you know they're, not, they're never going to be with you it, you know, and the best example in the in the light of what we're going through today with George Floyd and and police violence and the and and the over the incarceration rates of blacks, the war on drugs, um, profiling, of course, which I, I'm quick to tell people, racial profiling didn't just start in the last twenty or thirty years. Well, you know, somebody went to Africa on a boat and said, "Let's get those Africans." That's profiling. Mm-hmm. They did. Come on, come on, every y'all. Hey, man, this racial profile is horrible. You ask a Native American who don't have a whole lot of ancestors left, well, you know, we got to kill those savages. That's racial profiling. Right. When they drove the Mexicans out of out of the West, uh, or the Aztecs, the Aztecs and the Mayans mm-hmm. out of the West, and what, who later, well, that, that was racial profile. Uh, you know, nothing's new under the sun. Yeah. But ultimately, when you talk about African and African-American racial profiling, well, and y'all can use it. Hey, I think his name was Auntie M. Gokobal, who was uh, a, a sailor who went on the northern coast of Africa for the first time. He was, he was a, uh, a captain sailing ship in Portugal, and he saw some Africans and said, man, I'm going to take them back to Prince Henry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the modern slave trade came actually didn't come out of Britain it actually came out before for, America, for the Americas came out of um, came out of Portugal then of course Columbus Italian funded by the Queen of Spain who landed in Hispanola which is now Haiti in the DR thing he was in America well he thought he was in India which out how the Native Americans became the Indians I mean so when you talk about the structures of white supremacy and and even if we look at what happened today with them chopping the head of Christopher Columbus off in Boston, <laughs> and 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 you think about just what we you know even a casual conversation, those are a lot of things that people have to unlearn. Now yeah. it's one thing chopping that statue's head off, which I don't think that the public ought to be paying paying for statues of of, of occupiers and oppressors. Absolutely, I mean, right. I, I, yes, but, I agree. But now. But you, now you also have to figure out that, you know, now you know, how people remember history when it's hard to get them to read. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, knowledge is power. I don't, I, yeah, yeah. Well, knowledge is power. Reading is mm-hmm. fundamental. It sure is. So, but, uh, but um, I mean, I'm not to put supporting Confederate monuments and statues on public land. If you want to put it on your own property, you can wear whatever you want to wear. I ain't going to pay for it. But you deal That's with right. the consequences of it. Yeah. So, but, so, but. But part of unlearning all this stuff, um, you still have to learn some fundamentals for movement. And and so back on the question of organizations, 
I, you know, and I'm trying to organize some now, organize it through rain, reorganize the rainbow. I'm not going to run it. I'm just going to help some young folks uh, organize it and help them set some basic fundamentals. They can mm-hmm. figure out what they want to do locally mm-hmm. and what they want to focus on. Mm-hmm. But for me, you still have to focus on those four basic things. One, you can do all of them. You can do projects. You can just focus on any one of them. But you still have to deal with due process of law and equal protection, which is why I went to the ACLU without, as an organization versus other organizations because they had lawyers. We sued, we sued municipalities. We sued government. And uh, we changed the system. And uh, back in the day, the NAACP, Primarily was the organization that would, if you had a problem with the police, police violence, uh, voting rights, they did that. It was about economic rights and stuff and issues like that. The Urban League did it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, organizations like CORE and SDLC, they, they were catalysts in some respects. They did the big marches and had the big rhetoric. Uh, you know, the, Nick was young, student nonviolent coordinating committee. Those were the young people. Those were John Lewis. Those were, the, were Cleve Sellers, who was the father of Bakari Sellers. Um, you know, and I uh, said SDLC was Dr. King, and it was Jesse, and it was Ralph Abernathy, it was James Orange, it was Neville. It was, you know, they organized the march from uh, Selma, Selma to Montgomery, mm-hmm. across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Yeah. So everybody had a part. They didn't always get along. But everybody had a part. Yeah. Now, as I said, name, you know, y'all got Black Lives Matter. Which, and I know Alicia Garza and some of the folks that, that founded it, but Black Lives Matter is a tag. It ain't necessarily an organization you can go to. Yeah. Not a movement. I mean, it's, like you said, it's a tag. Yep. It's a, it's it's a, a trademark. A, yep. You got North Star, which is well, Sean you, King now. You got me a new one on me. Sean but, King but, now. Yep. Say again? Sean King. Oh, I, yeah, you know, well, yeah, and uh, I follow Sean King and read his stuff now, but I didn't know he had an organization. Yeah, it's called the North um, Star uh, after Frederick Douglass. Uh, yeah, oh, wait up, brother, brother, I understand. I understand. I have, oh, I have a blog. I, I, thought, I, was talking, I thought I was talking to Brian. I thought I was talking to Brian or something. My father. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, but, uh, we go, oh, let me see. Well, I had a question for you. I forgot what it was now. I mean, you know, I told you, Brian, what we ought to do is figure out to have a round table yes. with some of us. We can. And, just, yes. and, and dialogue like this in public. In or, and Because it's, it's, a lot to, it's a lot to try to, to put out there in a, in, in a, in, in a, on the podcast. But, and I'm thinking, as, with the organization that we're trying to pull together, one of the features of the organization is to do community teaching. Mm. And uh, and do some basic kinds of stuff with people in a way. Very necessary. Ain't no, with, it's, yeah, where yeah. somebody's not standing up behind a podium yes. where we're sitting around doing what we're doing on the phone. Yeah. Right yeah. now. Well, and, and even if well, even if the questions are uncomfortable, you know, and then, of course, with us, because, you know, I know Brian, I know y'all, it's a, it's a different kind of conference, level of comfort that we can have with the conversation. But but whatever you do, if you, if you do these teach-ins, and I would urge any organization that you do to have that civic education, movement education component in that, mm-hmm. that that you figure out how to make it effective. And out of that, which is the other term I've been using all day in, in, in my critique of these young folks, you know, when I was young, 
I remember Jesse saying to me, Reverend Jackson saying to me, Oh, Kevin, you have to have some movement discipline. <laughs> so was, was I know, right? That was Jesse? <laughs> hey, you know, who runs in the family. That personation <laughs> running the family. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, that's my, that's my man. The, the, um, I, hey, we can all come down. Hey, we can come down there and do a round table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can come. I'm down. Count me in. Come to have a round table. Yep. I know we have a lot of great minds that we can. You know, we can meet up and mm-hmm. get together and have those difficult conversations. We have conversations with each other all the time, whether or not we agree or we Y'all disagree. Y'all are going to be utterly frustrated with that in the, the nice conversation you, you, because mm-hmm. you'll look at those folk on TV and you'll say, damn, they ain't saying nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But but I, I'm, I'm giving everybody a space because everybody has to have this space to make mistakes and to learn. And to learn. And uh, that, that I get frustrated because as I was, me and Brian were talking the other day and, and me and my wife, I've written about all this stuff for the last 30, 40 years, and I'm like, if I could just get them to read it. You know, and if someone mm-hmm. read they're just now reading it now, but, it, you know, and you watch have, it. Have both. you thought about doing an auto, auto, audio book? Mm-hmm. Uh, some folks are trying, with, they're actually, with, they're trying to do a new, uh, a, a, a second edition of the Trayvon book that we're talking about. And I've been working on a 50-year history book, it seemed like for the last 50 years, for a personal publishing out of, um, London, and in fact, I'm actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually uh, reviewing a book uh, out of a uh, Pluto book out of London called "Here to Stay, Here to Fight," which is an anthology of of the race movement in in England mm-hmm. um, back in the seventies and eighties. That'd be interesting. Which is well, you know, as I said, uh, you know, the, the the line used to be. The sun never sets on the British Empire because Britain had its finger everywhere. And, uh, you know, before <laughs> the British slave trade, Man. yeah, the British slave trade fed the, fed the, uh, fed the, uh, fed the American slave trade. So, mm. um, <laughs> we talked about know. that today, Nana and I. We would think white folks would understand being that they were actually, <laughs> they were ruled by the British at one point. Hence, Fourth of July. You, you know, it's a, it, it's amazing to me. <laughs> they don't but, get but, it. Now, well, I have a lot of Indian friends, but you would think that in, that Indians or East Asians um, would be uh, would be more apt to support our movement here oh, because no. the, the uh, Indians were colonized by the British. By the British. Mm-hmm. By the Chinese. British. There you have Gandhi. Oh, was Japanese? And of course, uh, in South Africa, you had the British and the Dutch. The Dutch. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, African? the British, the Dutch, the Portuguese, the Spanish. Uh, the, they hit know, all parts of Africa. Uh, right, right. Y'all up, didn't they? Africans just had a chance. We fought but back. But <laughs> more than we did. Well, it is a world, it's, like, it's a worldwide movement. But so, but we got to go back to that. I mean, the, somebody asked, the lady asked me today about Jesse's campaign and why I thought that, that it was special. I said, well, first of all, it was a multiracial, multi-issue coalition of people mm-hmm. and issues and countries. And, um, you know, Jesse, Jesse supported Cuba and uh, Castro because Castro supported Mandela and the freedom struggle in Southern Africa. And, um, you know, that, that, you know, the whole idea of, of getting Mandela out of jail and ending apartheid, that, that fight 
was in South Africa, and mm-hmm. it was here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, the, the farmers, before the corporation took over the farmers, rednecks who probably support Donald Trump right now. Probably. But I remember being on a bus with <laughs> Willie Nelson and Jesse Jackson riding around the country in support of oh, family farms, small family farms, which are primarily white. And um, the the, um, the Palestinian movement. Um, and and uh, if you look at what happened in uh, Minneapolis, mm-hmm. with that Palestinian businessman, and uh, Palestinians that deny their human rights on a daily basis, like black folks. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were, we were aligned with Arafat and the Palestinians, the PLO. Yep. Um, it was a different kind of world, a different kind of movement. But even here in South Carolina, a young brother, in my 30s or whatever, with young kids, um, we understood the connectedness between all these movements and what we were trying to do. We aligned with the anti-nuclear people. We align with the anti-war people. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's to see the disintegration of all that. It, well, I hope it it means that folks are going to have some realization that we have to pull that back together. Yeah, and I said that was the magic of Jesse. I mean, you go back and read Jesse's speeches because you know, you know Jesse is old and he's got Parkinson's, and when he's gone, he's going to be gone. You know. And then there are folks that want to get on there and talk with Jesse Kill and Dr. King. I'm like, you know what? Um, Jesse Jackson was the last person that Dr. King, whatever you think about him, he was the last person that Dr. King, who all everybody claimed they loved, was speaking to. And I know that. And um, in the years that I've known him, and we've fought a lot over things that we disagree over, but as far as a consistent, coherent move of voice in progressive movement, and that's what we represent, a progressive movement mm-hmm. worldwide. We're not just a black movement. We are a progressive, progressive movement bringing together people of color around the world to fight the, the uh, ideology and structures of white supremacy and racism. Yeah. yeah. I like that. That um, is it. That's it. Progressive movement. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. you know, but right now, as, you know, as we see it, it, what do we do to start? moving in a different direction to make them realizing, hey, what they're doing or how they've, um, uh, with it, racial injustice and, and, Are you and talking equity about the and everything, as far as like the white white people in general. Are the you ones, talking about the big we or the small we? The big we. No, let's start with the small we. You want to start we, with small we? Yeah. Well, we'll do the small, well, the, the small, W-E, the small lowercase we. The small we is what y'all are doing, which could be a big we. You know, you really have to start focusing on educating people don't just repeat what everybody's saying on TV because a lot of stuff that we've covered here tonight, you ain't hearing. Right, no, right. No, nope. it ain't true. And it's a fundamental kind of stuff. Even our, even our, our, our digressing into redlining and and all the issues that really affect the inner city. Voter suppression. Uh, we, 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 it, saw, we saw that yesterday. We saw that yesterday in South Carolina and Georgia. Georgia. They was out there until right, right, 2 o'clock in the morning. Right, right. And then if you talk, and then separating uh, 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 what happens after the election? How do you organize? Well, you got organized before the election. Really, I've been talking with folks lately. You have to have a short-term, intermediate, and long-term plan. Yeah. You're and right. you, you have to do that as uh, y'all, as public educators right now, y'all, y'all need to pick, because this is, and I, and I do this all the time. And, um, 
and um, a lot of folks who are, the radio programs and stuff I do it on do it do the shows with. I mean, a lot of my known throughout the years. And in fact, I told somebody that I said I would much rather do radio and have an hour, two hours, than writing, which is hard. And at this time of my life, I've written so much. It's like it's like I'm old and I'm running. I'm tired. But but uh, and on TV, you get five to fifteen minutes compete with other people. And how much can you say in five to fifteen minutes? You ain't gonna right. say a whole lot. Right. Yeah. So, so as I said, for y'all as a small we, it's to, I mean, they have a podcast of substance. I mean, right now, as a race of young political podcasts and voices that I'm seeing emerge, Charlemagne God. And he was from South Carolina. Killer Mike. You know, I like Killer Mike. As far as being, um, <clears throat> just being in the forefront, being somebody that, that right, intellectually right. knows what's going on. Right. He reads, well, he at teaches. Least is le- well, at least is reading and, and not just teaching. And teaching, he's not just parroting. Yes. And uh, I might not agree with everything, but if I'm finding out with Killer Mike, I'm agreeing with a lot more. Yeah. Now, where he and I might have might differ because I was, you know, back on this idea of what is racism, white supremacy. When I went to the march in Columbia, even as an ex-soldier, they had someone up behind the microphone who was a former soldier. And I believe that he's kin to a young man who was killed by police in probably the third or second week of the pandemic when everybody's on lockdown and stories were obscure and are still obscure. And apparently he, um, he said he raised the issue with his, with uh, his bosses at the fire department in which he was a captain. He was fired. I'm with, wow. uh, I'm, I'm with the uh, fighting. If that's, the, if that's the case, because the other thing you have to know is the whole organizer, you know, I've, I've, I had a lot of families call me and say, my son was done, a daughter, and they got hurt, and blah, 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 and we got to just, they did him wrong. And, you know, hope, uh, most of the time they tell them the truth, but every now and then they don't. So you have to kind of like, you have to, you, you know, you you take people at faith, that, and, and but, but you still have to go back and make sure and check for yourself and, and find out what, as best you can, what the story is. And then even with George Floyd, and these guys, I'm going to get back on the point, but even with George Floyd's murderers, and we all saw murdered, which I said on the radio show, I said, um, and I want to see them adjudicated, and I hope a jury finds them guilty, and I hope they go to jail for a long, long time. I said, but I'm against the death penalty. And um, I was against the death penalty for Osama bin Laden because I'm against the death penalty. And, uh, be, and uh, because I think you can't teach people not to be violent if your, if your government's violent. I mean, that starts at the top, and the government and this country is based on violence. Mm-hmm. And so if your solution for your, is revenge as opposed to justice, then you got some issues that you got to deal with. But, but the other part of it is, while I feel that they're guilty and I saw what they did, it's not equal injustice for all. You still have to give those men due process through a system under law. Because if you erode that for them, the system is set up to protect the accused. And more often than not, in the, in the justice system, we are the accused. 
And if you want to erode the rights of the accused, where most of the time we're the ones that are standing up there before a judge, then you're not really thinking about the consequences of what's coming out of your mouth in regards to that guy. All three of them. And I said that, you know, it's not equal injustice for all. It's equal justice for all. Mm -hmm. And folk will miss that. And when you're talking about plea bargain and how plea bargains erode the rights of, of people, well, who has to plea out and has to and, and has to negotiate with a prosecutor more than black people, black males? Man. So, when when you're talking about and you're seeing all these things online, they ought to fry, they ought to burn, they ought to do this and that. You know, you better be careful what you wish for. It's just like they they were trying to pass the national lynching law, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Reverend, man, you really need to think about that national lynching law. You know, everybody's just thinking seeing Negroes swinging from a tree. And we got to stop that. But when you go back and look at how the lynching laws on the state level were applied when they were enacted 10, 15, 20 years ago, and you go back, you look at South Carolina or any other state that has lynching laws and find out who are the majority of people that are tried under the lynching law. They're black. Black. Kevin Garnett left South Carolina. Iverson. Yeah, because they were, she was charged with tw- second-degree lynching. Yep. He got out of it, and he went straight to Farragut, Chicago. So it ain't always about the Klan coming to your house in the middle of the night, taking you out and lynching you. Yep. It's all, you know, it's, so when, when people are acting on emotion, we ought to have a national anti-lynching law. Well, you better be reading the law that they're trying to enact. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of just going off the image of somebody swinging in a tree, yeah, because they always seem to turn it around and and, and use it against us. Yep, yeah, it's yeah, not written for us. The laws are not written, yeah, are not written for us. And that's that goes yep. back to not being educated and not yep. reading and not understanding. Knowledge. So, so the small we is to do what y'all are doing yeah. because there's a lack of this. I mean, maybe well, I can't because I don't know everything is on a podcast. I do follow media, obviously. And then on a larger level, as we were talking about organization, well, there's a need to reform or reconstitute uh, black or, or multiracial, multi-issue civic or, and, and political organizations across the country. Yeah. So now would be I got a good a time. Word today that the, I got word today that Dominion Energy in South Carolina was devoting X millions of dollars to those kinds of public education economic development efforts, and I'm, I'm assuming that that's going to happen around the country in a, in a lot of states because of George Floyd and everybody want to talk about racism and do something. So but now is a good time to join the organizations and rejuvenate those organizations. Good time to join the organization and take over the leadership of those organizations. Yeah. yeah. Y'all and ready? Then, Let's do it. And, and then Start uh, school. have organizations that hold black elected officials accountable yes. because you got all these, all these Black governors, I mean, black mayors and everybody all around the country. But, what if, but if you were to go back and and, uh, and look at a map of of um, where black folk lived in Atlanta, let's say in 1980, and where they're at now, and who they're now, then you're going to see a whole lot of demographic changes. Yeah. yeah. And so where now it's, it's, you can't afford to live downtown. Nope. Or, Half a million or you can't afford... Right, right, and it's a develop and it's a developer's 
the developers' uh, economic uh, structure. Yep. Where developers are building houses, are building apartments that you'll never own, and you're going from place to place, and and you're not accumulating wealth, and you're not accumulating capital. You're basically accumulating debt, either good or bad, mostly bad. Mm-hmm. And back on, as an old school brother, like Malcolm X said, land is the basis of all independence. So that that ain't changed. That's basic. They want you to believe that it's not important, yeah. but it is important. It's very important. It, it is important, and they ain't making no more. That's what Malcolm said. You better get some land because they ain't making no more. Mm-hmm. You can burn it, put a bulldozer on it, bomb it, but it's going to be there. Yeah. And 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 that that you know that is key. Yeah. And there has to be uh, uh, some kind of black economic development strategy, and that does mean mom and pop businesses. What the pandemic is going to do is going to make the corporate. I run a restaurant, and uh, if you're a mom and pop business, you can't survive this unless you got a whole lot of money. And so that's going to mean the proliferation of the corporate restaurant. So there are a lot of things that have to happen. And even if that's the new structure, mm-hmm. that's going to have to happen. Yeah. So you got So there's a lot of things. I mean, it's not just police, policing. I mean, it's what, and what defunding the policing means or demilitarizing policing is or, or how do you reform the criminal justice system. It's a lot of different things and they're all linked up together. They are. And that's what we got to get at. You know, real quickly before we, we start wrapping this up, I did. I saw a video yesterday that someone sent me about wealth and building generational wealth within the black, within our community. And they stated that back in the day when we stayed in what is now the trendy part of town, especially in Atlanta, those properties were where our, you know, parents and grandparents grew in. Right. But we started right. shifting towards the suburbs. So now those properties are worth five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars You can't afford anything downtown can't Atlanta. You can't get in. Right. So the, the, the white people who bought those houses for cheap, to live in the hood that we we were trying to get out of have now acquired $400,000 worth of equity while we moved into the suburbs and only acquired about $20,000 worth of equity, right? So we have to start thinking in the way of staying within our own communities and building it up. And that hit home for me. That was, that was an eye opener for me. That's part of that building that generational wealth. Well, that's, that's all about justification and that has been going, and it's not, I mean, living downtown, but, but of course, you know, I lived in D.C. When I was in D.C. living in graduate school, I lived on 13th and Constitution in the house that a woman was going to sell me for $84,000. And I came back and I moved out to Springfield on my way back to South Carolina. And three years after I left that house, it was worth six, uh, $2 million of property. So everybody, white folk are moving back to the city as they convinced black folk to move to the suburbs, mm-hmm. to, developments, to, to developments that they'll, that their that the house they in they'll never own. Yep. Yeah. And now my son over there will hear will hear me saying, "Dude," but I tell him when he moved that when he moved where he moved, I man, you have no property rights. The homeowners <laughs> yeah, association, right. homeowners you was 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 I was man. like, "Hey, man, you." No I said, "At least at least go by the lake and get ten acres." But if you, I mean, one of them developments, you know, you this, that you is know. just like a developer's plantation. You know, how much you, is land out there in South Carolina? Like, how much is well, land? Land is still cheap in yeah. South Carolina. It's it's some places. Now, the cities, like every city, is growing. Mm-hmm. And, and old folk have the luck that, like me, have the luxury of buying their homes in the 80s. Of course, we, you know, we we stayed and we paid. Hopefully that 
that they that our kids don't do what a lot of black kids do. Sell it. You know, they got their lives. They mm-hmm. take that money and keep on going. Yeah. And but but um, I mean, the idea is to how to figure out how to have intergenerational wealth. Now, you know, my mm-hmm. mother lives in the house that my sharecropper granddaddy built in Spartanburg. Wow. And my and my mother's my mother's niece still maintains the house that my mother's mother and father had in Nova Scotia. We're just those kind of my my, wow. my wife's aunt still lives in the house that they all grew up in in Spartanburg. We just yeah. old school. That's used very to, rare. Used to be an old school house too. That's rare. That's a rarity. So what you know, man? I'm gonna keep all of it. Y'all, y'all, y'all want to live in Alpharetta. Well, I definitely won't try to build nothing in Alpharetta. I tell you that much because I can't afford to build nothing in Alpharetta. But you're right. In Columbia, they did push. You know what they did? They built us a a nice strip mall, moved all the restaurants from down out and, you know, two notch way back out of these. They lured us out. They they had that gold carrot and moved Mm -hmm. everybody out. And then next thing you know, they started to build a big shiny baseball stadium downtown and, you know, they started to put shrubbery and mm-hmm. all this other stuff downtown. But, you know, my dad, he did say that. He's like, man, they moved y'all out there northeast. Y'all said, y'all said, y'all going to send us to old folk home. Our folk died at home in their bed. We don't believe in that in my culture. Your parents. Well, we don't either. <laughs> we'll see. How, we'll, hey, we'll see how that works out with, with me. Me and right. Ms. Gray. Right. But, but, uh, yeah, listen, we but, got you know, Sam Brian, then. We, yeah, but, we got y'all, but, man. But, I'm only dying to know if I'm going to do it. It'll be Brian. But it's it's that whole nursing home assisted care living industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's all developer. I, don't want to say, I didn't say development. It's all developer-driven. Yeah. And those developers are the ones that are aligning with black politicians who basically run the cities, I mean, they're black democratic officials. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they just fall into a structure of white supremacy mm-hmm. and capitalism. And and then the developers plantation structure. Yeah. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, you know, I think we. Was that enough for y'all? Yeah, it was yeah, enough, yes, we, def- we definitely need to do it again. Yeah, we yeah. do. We need to come down. Like I said, we need to we need to take that trip. We need trip. to road trip it. We need to take a trip and get a road trip. Oh, yeah, well, hey. I don't know, hey, man. There's still hey. slaves in South Carolina, man. <laughs> you know what? You're so ignorant. Down there, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey when I try to catch a ride back. <laughs> look, Jesse used to say the best kind of slave, and Reverend Jackson used to say the best kind of slave is a runaway slave. I'm <laughs> <laughs> y'all that one. Best kind of slave is a runaway slave. There you go. Yeah, but yep, yep. Hey, so like you said, it was a good time to rejuvenate. If you're trying to rejuvenate the Rainbow Coalition, I'm definitely down. I know the leadership. I posted, I, I posted the pictures, Brian, because I see all these people going after the Confederate monuments and stuff like that. And when me and Shanita X, my neighbor Shanita Goodwin, and Camille were down at the state house at the rally, we were. I said, Shanita, I said, uh, it was 20 years ago that we were down here and burnt the Confederate Nazi flag. And I'm saying, looking at all these young folks, we got to put down these monuments, and I don't know why y'all didn't do this and that. And, and Brian was right there behind me 20 years ago in June, May, on Confederate Memorial Day. Yep. And they were debating to take the flag down. Me and Brian and a group of folks sold the Confederate Nazi flag together. Jamal. And we went right down to the base of the uh, Confederate 
the, they call him Silent Sam, the Confederate soldier that flies over all these little plazas all across the town. And we had all these rednecks all around us. Mad now, as hell. Now, <laughs> yep, mad as hell. Hey, I was the only one that had a bulletproof vest on him, although all, all, of what I, all the time I had it on, I said, well, they could really just shoot me in the head. But uh, yeah, and I had the rednecks this. behind I had a, us. I had a polo shirt on. Yep, and the, but the rednecks behind us singing uh, with their flags flying, um, was saying you gonna you gonna go to you gonna go to Hillbilly Hill for burning no, that flag. Who, who had on the? Remember, uh, I said you gonna go to Hillbilly Hill. I said there must be a trailer park over across the river. <laughs> and uh, well, who and, was it? And, did, Jack, uh, did Jack have the Buffalo Soldier shirt on? And yeah, the Jack, guy? Jack, and my one, one of my, and I told those brothers and sisters when oh, they went down man. there, you know, wear something. That your your this picture is gonna be around a long time. Wear something that you twenty years from now you don't want to be saying, "Wow, man, yeah, wow, why did I have that shirt on?" Yeah, well, you know? because the, the white guy did that. White guy did point it out. Buffalo yeah. soldiers kill Indians too. Yeah, Buffalo soldiers kill the Indians. One brother had a chap shirt on. I was, I was, we tried yeah. to hide him, right? Yeah, but, and then of course, it. and then of course we uh we bought the Confederate flag from a flag store. And it was it was um was what that it was uh like nylon or fire it was it was uh, of some kind of uh we sold them shits together <laughs> we man made man made thing we sold them together and uh we the, the flag the the Nazi flag was made of cotton it went up really quick yeah but that that Confederate flag was made of some sort of synthetic plastic and it would not burn real fast yeah that, that, and and we had to it was hanging on. Lighter fluid on it, and them rednecks were singing to the tune of Dixie. Our flag won't burn. Our flag won't burn. And, <laughs> and somebody said, now "I know we can say this on a podcast." Somebody said, "The motherfucker's gonna burn today." Keep <laughs> more. So and, and it burned. But fluid on that shit. Yep. kept our light. And so, so all these folks that think that what what and what happened just happened I mean, with, with George Floyd and with the flag and the monuments and the fight against racism and white supremacy and folk being confused as to who their leaders is and where they want to go or, or young folk having gaps or, 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 or schisms with old folk who, 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 who like me, would say, well, this didn't happen with you. Um, we've been all here before, but now we've, we've had some good sometimes that we've created movement because that's what I came out of. And it just, you know, split. It's all season. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I had an older mentor when I when I started working with Jesse, besides Jesse, I had an older mentor right up the street. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, um, it, it's movement time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, Pops. Uh, well, that, those are good right. words. Right. It's we movement time. It. We appreciate you having on the show, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, yeah, I enjoyed it. Now go back and look at your sister I as an arca. I would yeah. look. I would look at my sister as a slave, man. I would, look, yeah. I would show you everybody. Look at your sister as a slave. She yeah. was a slave all right. time. And your and your and your pop with his afro. I got you. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, y'all. All right, man. Thank all right. you so much. Easy, you too. All right, thank y'all. All right, bye bye. Bye. That was awesome. Yes. Yes. Man, I tell you, man, he can talk forever, man. He do you know a lot of stuff, man. He is he very he knowledgeable. Older, so I would you know, love to see sit, him go sit down and pick God. his brain. Yo, you got to. So we gonna let's take a road trip. We'll go down to the restaurant. The restaurant is dope. Um, Railroad. He 
you know, a lot of stuff that he's collected over the years, campaign posters, yeah. pictures, all of that stuff. He has all of that stuff on the wall. Um, and just sitting down talking to him, you may even meet some of the people that he uh, marched with or worked with back, you know, in the 70s or 80s that come down to the restaurant. And it's mm-hmm. good. You hear a bunch of different stories about what they did to mobilize. It's, 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 it's real dope. Yeah. Um, yeah, I he got has a lot in, of knowledge and history. Yeah, I got to be involved in a lot of stuff growing up. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. Yeah. I was about to say you marched, you protested. Yeah, I've been I ain't spit. doing shit now. I've been spitting. Nigga okay. ain't doing shit. I'm just chilling, laying on your couch. Man, I ain't doing you, shit. Are you comfortable? Because you I, look real I, comfortable. Man, I, this is we in his new digs out here in his basement. <laughs> Got my feet up. <laughs> I mean, up on somebody's on couch. Hey, man, you know, I think he put it here for me. Yes. No, that's I can that go spend that the night is. and everything now. Spend the night all you want, man. Oh, my goodness. Put that TV up on that, on that wall. That's all the problem. You got your commode outside? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Damn, what are you saying? You just gonna say we got an outhouse or some shit? I mean, yeah. you, you, do you not use the I pee outside. Oh yeah, I my god! Shit. I mean, I tried it. It was liberating. It was liberating. Yeah. Somebody's got a picture of you floating around uh, Instagram cool. and Twitter hey, right now. Well, you know, I am not ashamed. <laughs> so yeah, I might just. Okay. They, they see it. They see it. They gonna like somebody gonna say we saw a snake back there in the oh backyard. Oh my god! And on that note, until yeah. next time, man. One queen, two kings. We are out. Hey. Yes, fight the power.